And as we prepare to look in this passage again, let's, uh, let's just ask God to guide our thoughts. Lord God, we, we, we know this is your word to us, and we know you speak through it. And we know you have something for each of us here this morning, through this passage. And so, Lord, as, uh, as we go through it, may we all be open in our hearts and our minds to what you are saying. May you speak to us, and may we hear your voice. And what you're saying to us through this passage. Help me, Lord, just to speak it in a way that you could just use it to touch each one where we need to be touched this morning. We pray in your name. Amen. A fellow went to the hospital to visit his dying partner. And as the visit went on, suddenly the dying man began to speak. And uh, he said, John, before I go, I must confess some things. I know I'm going to die and I need to tell you. I want you to know that I robbed the firm of $80,000 several years ago. I also sold our secret formula to our competitors. And also, John, I'm the fellow who supplied your wife with the evidence that got her a divorce and cost you a small fortune. And John quietly responded, that's okay, old man. I'm the guy who poisoned you. <laughs> if there's anything that I think is plaguing our society, well, there's a lot of things plaguing our society. We live in a pretty messed up society. But one of the things plaguing our society, I think, besides COVID, is a refusal to forgive. There are so many people who are going around with deep-seated grudges and bitterness that is destroying their lives, that they are unable or unwilling to forgive. On the other hand, probably one of the deepest and most freeing experiences anyone can have is a time of reconciliation and forgiveness. When you have wronged someone or someone has wronged you and there are hurts that are there, and then in the passing of time and by, the, by sacrifice and work on the part of you or the other person, person and by the grace of God working through it all when reconciliation is made and forgiveness is asked for and forgiveness is granted and you make up so to speak that is probably one of the most freeing and burden lifting moments that we can ever experience in the early 1960s uh, in the southern states uh, it was a time of deep racial discrimination and tension uh, you think it's bad now in the States. Back then, it was very bad. Black people were getting more and more vocal and taking more and more action in their quest for racial equality. And many white people were pushing back just as hard. In 1963, George C. Wallace, uh, then governor of Alabama, literally stood in the door of the University of Alabama preventing Vivian Malone Jones, a young black woman, a young African-American woman, literally preventing her from enrolling as a student in the university. 33 years later, the same George Wallace awarded this same Vivian Jones the first Lurleen D. Wallace Award of Courage. This award was named in honor of Wallace's wife. 
who, and it is over an award that recognizes women who have made outstanding contributions to the state of Alabama. And George Wallace presented the award in 1996, 33 years later, to Vivian Jones. And he didn't just present the award, he used the occasion to publicly apologize to Jones for the 1963 controversy and to ask forgiveness. And Jones, in return, did forgive Wallace. And Robert F. Kennedy Jr. was on hand for that event, and he later said, this event really is a moment of reconciliation and redemption. Forgiveness. In our little mini-series on restoration, that is, of course, part of our larger series through the book of Genesis, we come today to the moment we've all been waiting for. Ever since Joseph's brothers treated him so badly when they sold him into Egypt, we've been waiting for this moment when they meet again and Joseph reveals his identity to his brothers. And we've been kind of holding our breaths for the last three sermons as Joseph was testing his brothers. They didn't know it was Joseph, but he knew it was his brothers. And he was testing them to see if there had been a real change in them and to see if repentance was real. And we saw, firstly, how the brothers, when they first saw this ruler of Egypt, who unknown to them was actually their little brother Joseph, uh, how they were brought face to face with their sin by the working of God, and, and their guilt was intense. We saw that. And then we saw them facing tests of repentance. Only they didn't, they didn't know that they were tests of repentance. But we saw how they were brought into circumstances that forced them to react in a way that would bring out their character. And then we saw the proof of repentance last week. How indeed they did prove to everyone how they reacted to those circumstances. They proved that they were different men. They had changed. And that's what repentance is. It's a change. They had changed. They were different men. And so we left off last week with a moving appeal by Judah. Where he offers to take Benjamin's place as a slave in Joseph's court so that Benjamin can go free and his father's heart, their father's heart wouldn't break. What a different group of men than the group who had sold Joseph to slavery 22 years earlier. Well, they passed the test of repentance. They proved that their repentance was real, that they were changed people. And Joseph can now reveal his identity to his brothers. The moment of reconciliation has come. And that brings us today to Genesis chapter 45, the passage I was just read. So let's again look at the story of chapter 45, and then we'll apply the truths to us today. As you can well imagine, Joseph almost went to pieces after Judah finished his appeal, which we looked at last week. Joseph had gone through months of hiding his identity and of testing these brothers. And now, with a proof of their genuine repentance and change of character ringing in his ears, he is now free to reveal his identity. Verse 1 tells us, Then Joseph could control himself no longer. <laughs> he ordered all of his servants and attendants and interpreters and all who were there in the room with them to go out. Leave them alone, he said. He wanted this moment alone with his brothers. 
and he probably wanted to conceal his emotions from the rest of the, them as it might necessitate revealing his brother's sin <laughs> against him to everyone. So they had them all leave, and they all left the room, and Joseph just broke down and cried. He wept so loudly, says verse 2, that the Egyptians in the neighboring rooms heard, heard it. And when he could speak again, he told his brothers, I am Joseph. And now he's speaking in Hebrew, in, in, in their language. No interpreter around is speaking in their own language. I am Joseph. Well, can you imagine the reaction of those 11 brothers? I'm sure that when he ordered everyone out of the room, the brothers were totally mystified. <laughs> Perhaps even scared, wondering what this ruler was going to do to them. Remember, they're still waiting for a verdict. Regarding Benjamin and the silver cup they found in Benjamin's sack. They're still waiting for a verdict on that. And I'm sure they're wondering, when Joseph ordered everyone out of the room, I'm sure they're wondering, okay, what is he up to? And then when Joseph broke down and wept so loudly, I'm sure they're even more mystified and more confused. What, what's going on here? And then this powerful ruler over all the land of Egypt sputters out through his tears in their own language, I am Joseph. And I'm sure their mouths dropped right open, so surprised and shocked they couldn't even talk. Verse 3 tells us, they couldn't answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. You see, this began to sink in, that this ruler was really their little brother Joseph, whom they had hated so much. This little brother whom they had sold to this, that caravan headed for Egypt 22 years ago, the same brother is now the powerful ruler, and they are totally at his mercy. He has all the power now to carry out any revenge he might desire. I can imagine they were dismayed. But Joseph has no thought of revenge. He's deeper and bigger than that. Verse 4. He tells them to come closer to him, and as he gains control of his emotions... He speaks to them more rationally. And he says, I'm your brother Joseph. The same one you sold to Egypt. Now, don't be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. I know you meant to harm me. But God meant it for good. He has sent me here to preserve life. In fact, your lives. And then Joseph goes on to explain about the famine and how it's been in progress for two years. There's still five years left of the famine. And this is all part of God's plan, Joseph explains. He sent me here to Egypt to provide for you during the famine and to keep you a remnant of his chosen people alive for a great deliverance. And so Joseph says, it wasn't you who sent me here to Egypt. It was God. And then he hits them with his plan. Verse 9 and following, you can follow along there in your Bibles. Go back home to Father. Tell him that God has made me ruler over all the land of Egypt and bring him and all your families and all your belongings and move down here to Egypt. You can move to the land of Goshen and be near me. I'll take care of you there. I'll take care of you all. I'll get you through this famine. Well, the truth is slowly sinking into these 11 brothers. Verse 12. Their eyes were seeing now that it really was Joseph. And Joseph could see it in their eyes that they were, they were recognizing him. Especially Benjamin. He could see it. Benjamin recognized him. 
And Joseph broke down again and went and hugged them all, and they all had just a good time of getting reacquainted. Well, of course, soon Pharaoh heard that Joseph's brothers had come, and he was glad, along with the servants, for Joseph's sake. Very glad with Joseph that his brothers had come. Joseph must have been a very well-loved ruler. <laughs> what made Joseph happy made the other Egyptians happy. So Joseph was happy and glad, they were glad and happy. So it must have been quite a well-loved ruler. And Pharaoh went along with Joseph's plan. He told Joseph to tell his brothers that the best of the land of Egypt was theirs. And Pharaoh gave them donkeys and provisions and a U-Haul truck. Well, it's not a U-Haul, it says carts. <laughs> to help them all move back to Egypt. Plus all kinds of gifts from the land. So the brothers depart for Canaan. I don't really have it in the sermon here, but I, every time I read this, and I read this passage a lot, in the past week. Uh, Joseph, uh, what verse is it? Verse 24. <laughs> Joseph sent the brothers away and said, don't quarrel on the journey. <laughs> I don't know what that's about, but <laughs> he kind of wondered about those brothers, I think. <laughs> I'm really giving this on. There's nothing going on here. This is all over and above war. Don't, don't quarrel. Don't fight with each other. This is really happening. Go get dad and bring everybody back here. <laughs> uh, so the brothers depart for Canaan and they get back home and they told their father that Joseph was alive and in fact Joseph was the ruler of all of Egypt and to Jacob it was too good to be true verse 26 he didn't believe it it was too good to be true but they took him outside they showed him all the carts and the supplies and the gifts and all the stuff that Joseph had sent all the provisions and that convinced Joseph, or sorry, uh, Jacob, finally. It says his spirit revived. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be the understatement of the chapter. <laughs> his spirit revived. He knew now that he would get to see Joseph again before he died. So that's the story of Genesis chapter 45. And let's look at the application for us. It speaks about what genuine forgiveness looks like. When forgiveness is real, friends, it, it's obvious to everyone involved. And we can see this by the demonstrations of forgiveness exhibited by Joseph here in Genesis chapter 45. Two demonstrations here that I see that I want to look at. Number one, a recognition of the purpose of God. A recognition of the purpose of God. I want to look here at verse 5 of this chapter. Genesis 45, verse 5. Look at the words of Joseph when he revealed his identity to his brothers. Now do not be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. <laughs> Look at those words. You sold me. God sent me. You sold me. God sent me. And at first those true phrases are, almost seem contradictory. But when you think about it, it is a profound theological statement. As one commentator put it, here we have applied theology on Joseph's part. We clearly see here in Joseph's statement two aspects of probably every event. On the one hand, you have human action, human mishandling, and seemingly the blind working of nature. On the other hand, you have the perfect will of God which is, is always in complete control, using all of the above to work out his 
perfect plan. Joseph recognized the hand of God in the situation with his brothers. Yeah, they sold him to Egypt out of hate and jealousy, wanting to get rid of him. But Joseph recognizes now the hand of God in the situation. He saw that God had brought him here to Egypt. And he gave God the glory. Because he saw what God was doing. By the way, do you see a change that has taken place in Joseph? From the 17-year-old teenager who was sold into slavery to Egypt? We've been focusing on the change... In the brothers, which is, is the main focus of the story. But Joseph has changed as well. When he was a teenager, we saw he was someone who was a little bit self-centered and with a bit of a snotty attitude. <laughs> kind of irritating to his brothers. And now this boy has become a man. And Joseph has had many years of bitter experience because of his prolonged trials and altered circumstances. And through this, he had matured greatly and become a man in every sense of the word. It's doubtful that he would have been able to forgive his brothers without that maturing process. But now he's big enough to do that. So Joseph here sees the hand of God and is assured that God had gloriously worked in spite of these circumstances. Well, actually, through the circumstances to bring glory to himself. And Joseph's eyes were fixed on his God and what God was doing and not on his circumstances. You see, friends, genuine forgiveness sees beyond the sin to the hand of God who is in control of all circumstances and is working all things together for good. As Romans 8 verse 28 tells us. That doesn't excuse the sin by any means. But a forgiving spirit doesn't focus on the sin. Rather, it focuses on the God who is in control. And who can make something good even of the results of sins and wrongs. Focusing on that, focusing on the God who is in control, is a demonstration of genuine forgiveness. You sold me. God sent me. And may I suggest that until the focus changes from the sin to the God who is in control, forgiveness is not complete. Friend, even you have been hurt and are working through the process of forgiving. Be big enough like Joseph to see beyond the sin to the hand of God who is in control. And it's a process. It is a process. It was for Joseph, as we've seen in the past few chapters. I think it was Philip Yancey in one of his books and commenting on verse 2 of chapter 45. And Joseph's loud weeping so much that the Egyptians in the next room heard it and wondered. His comment was that what they heard was the depths of the sound of forgiveness. Depths of the sound of forgiveness. When you are working through forgiving someone, it's a process that will take some time to move from focusing on the sin 
and the hurt to focusing on the working of God who's in control. But genuine forgiveness is demonstrated by that very shift of focus. Second demonstration, an outward demonstration of love. Outward demonstration of love. Of course, with true, true forgiveness, there comes an outward demonstration of love. Joseph demonstrated his love for his brothers by providing for them and by protecting them. And their wives and their children and their flocks in the herd, verse 10 11, he was going to provide and protect them all. Joseph realized there's still five years of famine left. So he told his brothers, go back, get their father, their families, all their belongings, move down to Egypt, where he could take care of them. By God's grace and by God's workings, Joseph was now a ruler in all the land, and so he could see to it that they were all taken care of. The riches of Egypt were at his disposal. And again, we see Joseph living out and giving us a picture of a profound theological truth here. Joseph forgave, looking at here at verse 11, Joseph forgave and then he provided. The one sinned against, the one who was deeply hurt by his brother's hatred of him and harsh treatment, selling him into slavery. He forgave, and then he turned around and provided for the very ones who had hurt him so deeply. And now, as ruler of the land, and now he's in a position to treat the brothers as they deserve, he's now in the position of power, and the brothers now are in the position of weakness, totally at his mercy. But Joseph forgave them, and then he uses his position of power to provide for them. Isn't that a great picture of what Jesus Christ has done for each and every one of us? He's the one we've sinned against deeply and horribly. But he paid the price for our sin, just like Joseph paid the price for his brother's sins against him. Jesus paid the price by dying on the cross in our place, and then Jesus forgave us. And then he provides for us all that we need to live the life he has called us to live. Just as Joseph provided for his brothers and their families what they needed to live their new life in Egypt and to escape the famine that may well have wiped them out. The one who forgives turns around and provides for the one who sinned against them. Genuine forgiveness, friends, is demonstrated by showing love in action. Not just verbalized love, but to demonstrate in action. That takes some work and takes some commitment. True, genuine forgiveness includes an outward demonstration of love. It isn't, if that isn't there, again, I, I don't think forgiveness is complete. To just say, yeah, I forgive you. Yeah, I love you. And then completely ignore the rat person from then on. Yeah, is that forgiveness? Is that true, genuine forgiveness? not complete. Joseph, by his demonstration of love, proved his forgiveness was genuine. Because that's what genuine forgiveness does. It demonstrates love in action. So therefore, we can see that when forgiveness is genuine, it is obvious to all involved. It's obvious because sincere and genuine forgiveness is demonstrated. Demonstrated and seeing the purpose of God behind it. 
and focusing on that instead of the sin, and secondly, in showing love in action. So again, as we close this, I'm not sure where where you are all at in this, I, I just don't know. But perhaps you're here this morning and are struggling with this. You've been deeply hurt. And you're struggling with forgiveness. If that is you, I think the key for you is to focus on that first point. Instead of focusing on the sin and on the hurt, focus on God. Focus on our God. He is the God who causes all things to work together for good. And he will do something, even in the situation you're in the middle of that has hurt you so deeply, he will do something to accomplish something good, even something great through it. Focus on God who is in control and not on the sin that was committed. If that's your focus, forgiveness is much easier. If we keep focusing on the sin, I don't think we'll ever be able to forgive. But when you focus on the God who is in control, it's much easier. And then as you come to the place of being able to offer genuine forgiveness, it'll be only natural to show real love to that person or persons in your actions. Joseph here has given us a good picture of genuine forgiveness. Jesus has given us even a more complete picture of genuine forgiveness. And Jesus calls us to forgive like he forgives. Let's take a moment of silence again as we do every Sunday and just uh, open your heart to God and listen. What is God saying to you personally through this this morning? I'll give you a few moments.